0: Welcome in to 2 4 Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, the Wednesday edition of 2 4 Drafts. Only one pod a week, Mike, throughout the summer. I'm kind of bummed about it. I got to be honest. Monday with no
1: pod, kind of, I, I wasn't feeling great about it. It felt really different. I, I didn't love the no pod. I loved it just being like, felt like the offseason this week for the yes. first time. And I, and I, as much as I love the end season, as much as I love the draft, and you know I love the draft. It's nice to take a break every once in a while. Dude, absolutely.
0: No, no, I agree. I I said this recently. It's nice to breathe at work. You know, being able to breathe a little bit, plan ahead, and work towards bigger things during the season, I think, is pretty awesome. But uh, one pot a week, we've got to make the best of it. Today, we're going to go over the 2021 wide receiver class. You wrote about what? How
1: many guys you got coming up in this article for PFF? 16 guys in this article, and it's why the 2021 wide receiver class will be better than the 2020 class. It is that headline's hot. By every sense of the word stack. And I, I, as much as I hate like, saying predicting the future and certainty in the future, because obviously, as we know, in coronavirus times right now, there's really no certainty in the future. And saying we'll be better is purely for clicks. I get that. I sold out a long time ago. <laughs> but I truly believe that right now, at this point in time, like this point in time, this class compared to last year's class at this point in time, is better. So mm-hmm. no, that's how I feel about 2021 it is there's a lot of talent to go around
0: oh man i've watched a handful of the guys already i don't know if i've watched all 16 of these guys but i watched a handful and i'm super impressed i feel like there's a ton of speed in this class i I think that's really impressive And i thought there was a ton of speed in last year's class like this class is uh pretty gonna be awesome let's go ahead and start you know kick this off with you kind of broke this out into the do it allers explosive plays waiting to happen catch point kings Mm. the souped up gadgets you got some you got some, got some, you got some, uh, you got some interesting.
1: I tried to, here. I tried to, yeah, put them into categories. Tears. What, ty- what, not tiers, like, really, like what type of wide receivers these guys are? Okay, gotcha. Because I thought there was not some, a ranking like, distinct, No, no the, and they are ranked within their sort of respective categories in this article, but it's not right now. Like comparing Rondale Moore right now, the Purdue wide receiver who's five nine, one eighty five, to someone like. Uh, some someone like jamar chase who is what is he six two like two ten like that's not gonna they're they're, do, they're playing different positions right now. Like that is, yeah. for all intents and purposes, with the way the NFL is going, they're going to offer. Ready different for
0: things. the the Rondell so. Moore, Steve Smith comps. I I I, I get a lot about. It. I really like the Steve Smith comp for Rondell Moore because he was that all-purpose guy that could win on the outside, but a very small receiver, strong as hell. Everyone, when I you know I tweeted out recently about Rondell Moore, blown away by his tape. Everyone is saying the dude is strong as hell, like one of those stronger players on Purdue, pound for pound. I think I'm interested to see if he makes Bruce Feldman's freeze list because they guy guys that talk about his workout routine is just absurd oh he's going to he he,
1: <laughs> he squatted over 600 pounds right in high school or something like that's that. that's right that's right you know, yeah i saw someone he's too. just a horse he's almost like too strong you want him to be a little more speed i mean obviously he's fast as hell but you want you could use even more he doesn't need any more strength in his game I
0: don't know, man. He's he's incredible on tape. I really, really do like going into that. So let's go ahead and start this. Before we get into the receivers, I know you wanted to kind of talk about some of the current events with COVID-19 and, are we going to have a college football season? Recently we had here from, I think, ABC7 reporting that California State University campuses will remain closed through the fall semester, completely virtual learning. And before we get to the sports, can we have this discussion? Should tuition not drop for this semester because you're all staying at home and doing virtual Zoom courses and online tests and all that kind of stuff? I'm of the opinion, yes. Like you paid to go to this university. Can you imagine like your first semester
1: at college being virtual? I would be livid. Yeah, I wonder what the transfer rate is going to be for these schools. And I wonder if what the transfer rate is going to be like if, like, so California schools say we're not playing football this fall. Like, their teams just disband. Oh, man. Right? Like, if, if that's a thing, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to get into with this conversation. Because this is the first sort of tangible sort of someone coming out and saying something that's actually going to impact this fall. Like for them to actually declare that right now, I don't think there's any going back on it. If you're the government, like, and if things do clear up, and if the virus has like been—I don't—I don't want to say eradicated because I don't think it's going to be eradicated—but like, the risks are way lower and the cases have gone down a ton by then. I still don't think you can just be like, "Oh, you know, now we're going back to class." Like, this is, seems like they're not going to be in class no matter what this fall. Uh, but I don't—I don't know how that, how you could justify putting out a football team and telling football players you come to campus when you you know, you get in this large group when you're telling the rest of the students you're not all right to be in this large group. That just seems like something that's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be the case. Like I, I think this is, in my opinion, a death knell for the state schools in California to be playing football this fall
0: man I don't know if that's true i i d- so I did go to San Diego State and I'm still on the like mm-hmm. communications email chain. I got an email last night from the Mountain West, like the President of the Mountain West, and like the corresponding schools within it, like San Diego State, San Jose State, the two kind of major football schools there in in that state system, and they said you know they have not made a decision on fall athletics, all fall athletics and how they're yeah. going to be treated like so they have made a decision obviously with California state schools and and will they be on campus, but athletics are still in the air and I also read somewhere else that I don't I've read that some schools aren't committing to if there are are indeed virtual classes in fall aren't committing to not having athletics I think it's again it's what makes money baby that's I mean money is what drives every single decision across the board it's not always like health unfortunately that's cynical of me I get that like that's not how it should be viewed I agree that it should be health first but Money is what's going to drive a lot of the decisions as we press forward. It's why things are opening up. It's why you know, we're making decisions against some of like you know, the suggestions or the recommendations by doctors. It's because money is driving these things. So I, I, I don't know. I still think there's a chance state schools play football this semester knowing that money will be driving those decisions. But I do agree that it's a significant step against that knowing that they don't yeah. want you know students on campus. So very interesting yeah. stuff. Let's get to worship. less bleak stuff. Let's let's yeah. imi- let's imagine a world where the 2019 college football season is as assured as ever, and That's talk the about the world I, tw- live I, I live in.
1: I want to live world. in that world. Yeah,
0: <laughs> can I join you? Um, <laughs> but the 2021 receiver class, like this upcoming season, there's so much potential in watching a ton of these guys really outperform or overperform expectations. Starting with the in the do-it-allers category, Jamar Chase. LSU. I mean, this guy has been talked about a ton. He's wide receiver one on a lot of pre-draft boards right now, knowing just how he dominated at LSU this past season and dominated on the outside. You know, J- Justin Jefferson had some good numbers as well, but what
1: Jamar Chase did against Pressman on the outside was really, really impressive. Yeah, this dude, has the true sophomore. He led the nation in receiving yards, 1,780 receiving yards, touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, and deep receptions, 24 deep receptions. He had... He has ten more D receptions last year than any other returning player in the country. Next closest was fourteen. Like this guy, I, I almost and just watching him on just like TV copy LSU last year, I feel like I underrated his speed. Like going back and watching him now, yes, I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's like he looks like he might be like a four or five guy. Like I think this guy's like a legit four four, maybe low four four. It's like he can when he cranks. Dude, we it up, had this
0: conversation he recently.
1: Gets yeah, I, I, know. I
0: was like, and dude, fine. I was like, Jamar Chase is fast. Like actual like yeah. actually fast.
1: Yes. And that's on me. And he is. And he just and, and the thing is, he's not just fast. Like uh, we're gonna get some guys on this list who are just fast. And that's what mm-hmm. they bring to the table. And you can win with that. And that can like be a skill that can help you in the NFL and that you don't have to have a t- ton of if you're explosive enough. He has that explosiveness, but then he also can beat the shit out of you like at the line of scrimmage at the catch point, as we saw with first round pick AJ Terrell, second round pick Trayvon Diggs, just crushed both of those guys. And so yes. I, I do think that he might get overthought because he's not going to come close to those numbers this year. Like no way he gets seventeen hundred eighty yards. He might get he might get <laughs> eleven hundred yards and still be as dominant, if not more dominant than he was last year. But I, I do think that Jamar Chase pretty much this is a top 10 sort of player. And if you're not, and if you're thinking otherwise about him, if you're like, and eh, trying to poke too many holes in this game, I think you're just overthinking that.
0: Well, what I saw, you know, originally when you're watching him in season and I've, you know, you're studying like 2020 prospects. I think what I was underrating Was the physicality like you didn't see I didn't see that until you see him go against Trayvon Diggs and just blow him out of the water and then being press man with physicality, not necessarily quick feet. What I did see is that speed, man, because he's got it. And I think he can really, really win down the football field. So uh, he's got really high expectations, high expectations. He should meet. I mean, obviously, if you you obviously has a temper expectations from a production standpoint, but from a skill standpoint, I think he's really going to blow it up. All right. Next guy on this list here is Amon. Amon Ra St. Brown, the, the brother, the triplets of, I think, Osiris St. Brown at Stanford and then formerly Equinemius St. Brown from Notre Dame. Uh, all three of those guys are like athletic freaks. Um, yes. This guy, just another one, another one coming down
1: the track here. So he's very different from his brother. Like is 6'5", uh, had speed, but was more of a contested catch guy, not super flexible, was a little stiff in his routes. Amon Ra is like very different from that. He played... M- Almost exclusively slot there at USC. Played a little bit on the outside in the Cal game. One of the wide receivers was heard he filled in outside. And looked Torch really said, dude. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So he has route running chops that just like are He's very advanced for only being a true sophomore last year. The dude can run routes at a high level. Six one, one ninety five. 195. Uh, I feel like that's kind of your sweet spot at wide receiver for – being versatile, being able to do anything you want in the passing game nowadays in terms of agility, speed, uh, and still being physical enough to catch point. I, I think he has that. He might not be another guy who might not. There are going be, to be some guys with elite physical tools testing-wise in this draft class. I don't think he's going to be one of them, but he's still very, very capable in that regard. Uh, I, I think right now he's first-round talent in my eyes. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah,
0: 77 receptions from 103 targets for 1,042 yards and six touchdowns this past year. The only thing I had – you know, looking at his tape was that you just want to see more reps outside and you you see yes. it in the slot, like similar to like Jerry Judy had a lot of reps in the slot. But you uh-huh. could tell he could get it done from a route running perspective. I'd like to see more. But then obviously you have, you know, USC's in favor of like, you know, keep him where he's most productive. You know, like we want to win football games. But as mm-hmm. an evaluator, you're kind of like, no, I kind of want to see him play outside. So you can see <laughs> him, if he can beat, you know, beat like, you know, press man, and all that kind of stuff. But if he plays more outside this year and, and really shows what he can do, I, I think he could really elevate his stock.
1: Yeah, and if I'm saying a USC guy is a first rounder, he's probably pretty fucking good because I'm not quick to get on board, you know, with those there you go. fucking Trojans. Yeah.
0: All right. Rashad, Rashad, Rashad Bateman, Minnesota wide receiver, the the guy not named Tyler Johnson that also dominated with Tanner Morgan there in Minnesota. He's another guy that I'm glad you have him in a similar uh, tier as Jamar Chase, not as fast as Jamar Chase, but a guy that can really do it all and and went down the football field at the, on the outside. He's also played a little bit inside. I think he is another one of those, like, you know, all around talented receivers in this class.
1: Yes. And all around and talented is very, indicative this guy he's better than tyler johnson honestly as a prospect so oh absolutely same size six two two hundred he's faster he doesn't have quite the route running shot like he doesn't have quite that shake that tyler johnson did coming out but i think he's i mean being two years younger i think he's going to develop into just a better wide receiver he had so he had more catches than anyone else even even jamar chase at the intermediate level in this uh, of the guys on this list, I'm not sure if it was all the guys in college football, but 32 catches from 10 to 19 yards down the field that was the most, and then 14 catches 20 plus yards downfield last year. So, this guy wins again where we want to see you win. We don't give a shit about if you take a screen to the house a lot against college defenses. That's nice, that's like a nice little cherry on top, but we want to see you win as a route runner. Rashad Bateman did that and did that handily this past year as a true sophomore again, mind you, at Minnesota. 60 catches, 1,219 yards. It's over 20 a pop. The dude's, he's very legit. And again, another guy who's like Alman Ross St. Brown, uh, not to chase, probably a little freakier, but like there's not one big thing they can hang their hat on, but they can do it all.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he's he's got decent yak ability too. look at 6.1 yards after the catch per reception, 17 broken tackles this past year. That's good for a wide receiver that's winning at the intermediate level as often as he is over Mm -hmm. 1200 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns and an 89.0 PFF receiving grade. Jumping to the next guy in the do it all tier, Chris Olave. Of Ohio State, I I watched his tape and it, it reminds you know you you watch all of his targets and you really recognize how consistent and how smooth he is. But yes. the high end, they they schemed a lot of his throws. I don't know if you saw on his tape, I don't, uh, if you saw all of his targets. There's that thro- that concept that Ohio State runs where he starts running like a crosser or a drag and then opens oh, then up like over open middle up, of the field. Yeah. That is that is juicy. They had that they had that run into him. I think two or three times this past season with easy easy touchdowns against like I think wait wait, wait Tampa two or something like. Like that. But it was really impressive to see um, how how well that Ohio State scheme, you know, gets their receivers open. But in addition to that, Olave a handful of really smooth routes on tape. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so he's skinny still, this dude. 6'1", 188 is listed at as Ohio State. He needs to put on some strength, like he needs to get a little muscle in his frame. And it shows on tape, like he's not after the catch, not great. Only three broken tackles on 49 catches last year, but he's fast. This guy looks like a legit 4-4 on tape, if not maybe even a little bit faster. Can get up and down the football field. And then, shit, he goes to Ohio State. Dude knows how to run routes in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, so he has sort of that ability. I still do worry about the size and, and the after-catch the ability. reminds me kind of of a Van Jefferson to a degree. That, But okay. again, he's too, so Van Jefferson was old, though. Van Jefferson was like in his fifth year coming out. Olave still has room for growth. He can, you can sort of shake that. Label. He can return
0: to school, really. I mean, he yeah. can return to school after this year if he yeah. wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I want to. You, you bring up, you know, only three forced tackles, only three point two yards after the catch per reception. That is a low average yeah. for a uh, college football receiver. Yards after the catch, we don't talk about it a ton, but I've been looking into it as like just like researching like its importance, its stability. Like it's one of the more stable metrics from college to pro. It's one of the more stable metrics year over year in the NFL. In, in, in similar to like separation on targets and those types of things, things that we value when we're valuing receivers, I really do think yards after the catch ability is something you should value as an evaluator scouting receivers at the college level because you know it comes into the next level. Mm-hmm. And you look at A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel this past year, two of the best rookie receivers, they had the two, the two best yards after the catch per reception averages of any receiver over the past five years. You can produce on right. low average depths of target um, – with high yak ability. And I think high end yak ability, I think in the right offenses, can be like a very productive NFL receiver. So looking it, at that, I.
1: It's kind of how, uh, like, running backs. I mean, running backs, we've seen broken tackles translate as well. Yes. Like if you break tackles, shit, you break tackles. There's no like going from, there's no going from Chris Olave to then LaVisca Chanel or, you know, or to Devo Samuel at the next level. Chris Olave is never going to look like that. Like, he's never going to yeah. break tackles at that level. So
0: and it's not and a lot of people, you know, see that, you know, receiving you know average average depth of target or receiving depth is very indicative of how many yards after the catch you'll gain. It's not that. It's a lot of it is ability. You know, you look at yeah. you know uh correlations between target depth and yards after the catch, it's point three to point four, nothing crazy. It really matters how good can you break tackles and mm-hmm. what, what kind of speed and you know ability do you have with the ball in your hands. I think it's uh, really an innate trait.
1: Yeah, and I, I will say though. Olave's role was similar to Terry McLaurin's role in that Ohio State offense, where he wasn't getting the screens, he, he wasn't getting those, so yes, he was getting the downfield targets. His depth of target was fairly deep, so yeah, there, there, it does. There is still something to that, and I, mm-hmm. I I'm not like crushing the guy for only three broken tackles last year too much. Yep.
0: All right, last guy here in the state school. I'm not sure the if one guy, he'll, the he'll, one he'll guy see. in
1: the in the of the. <laughs> 100 guys who are going to be in the next draft guide who is, goes to a California state school. So,
0: Trey Walker,
1: you really liked him
0: potentially entering the 2020 NFL draft. I didn't, I again, I, I need to watch the
1: tape with you because I, I, I was not a huge fan of Trey Walker. I need to see what you see here. 596 yards in his last four games. He averaged over 100 yards, <laughs> over so, so 1161 yards he had in only 10 games last year after he came back from injury. Broke 21 tackles on 79 catches. Uh, and, that's, and that's he's actually he's actually pretty good. So he had the second most contested catches of anyone on this list that we're going to talk about. 17 contested catches last year on 36 attempts. Now he's not going up against the greatest competition, San Diego State. Or excuse me, San Jose State. They played San Diego State, and that wasn't the greatest competition. That was actually his worst game last year. So hang your hat on that one there, Austin. But, yeah, it was our worst.
0: his worst game. San Diego State's defensive backs are solid. Luke Barku, <laughs> I mean, come on. Dude. We got
1: some talent back there. So 5'11", 180, though. Trey Walker is, he's undersized at this point. But he doesn't play necessarily undersized. Uh, He plays a little more physical than that. I still need – that's why he came back to school. He still needs to get a little bit bigger. He needs to get that up to like 5'11", 190 before we can start to talk. But he's just a very – I call him a bouncy route runner. Like he gets in and out of his breaks very – without losing speed. So uh, I think there's just – it's just a good name to watch heading into next year. I wouldn't put him in top two round conversation, but like maybe end of day two, he's in the conversation right now, early day. I got to go back and watch these last
0: four games. Cause then maybe the injury was what kind of brought him down a bit, but I'm watching these 596 yards, how many broken tackles he's got. I got to go back and watch the tape. I think, I think, yep. uh, it's, it's 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 a must. It's a, and i got to watch that San Diego State game, see how badly you perform <laughs> these top guys there. All right, uh, this next tier or next group here is the explosive plays waiting to happen. And a lot of my favorite group. names, a lot of my favorite names are in this group. I, I mean, these <laughs> first two guys, the two Alabama guys, I watched Jalen Waddell last night. Dude, I am so jacked off the speed that they got. I mean, Devontae Smith, let's start there. Let's start Devontae Smith. Yeah. Very thin, very skinny. And you see, you can kind of see physicality affect his routes a bit. But this guy's got speed for days. And honestly, like how he got off the line of scrimmage against some bed, some of the better competition last year is super impressive for a guy yeah. that was a true
1: sophomore last year. No, he was a junior last year. So he was Junior, junior. last
0: year. Oh, okay, okay. That kind of puts yeah. things in a different perspective. But still, young player that really, really performed well outside.
1: Yeah, that's just a little worrisome thing. It's like, can he add can the weight? Because 175 is a tough sell because he's not – You can be Marquise Brown, and Marquise Brown was what, like 5'10, 5'11, 170? Yeah. Like Sean Jackson territory. Yeah, he's like 6'1, 175. Like this isn't, this is just like all around skinny. And if you've been three years in the college weight room and you're not putting it on, uh, and and the scary, and the kind of scary thing is that Smith with him, it happened in bursts. It was like massively big plays. It was the 274 yards against Ole Miss, 213 against LSU. And yes, that's good competition against LSU. They did against, one was the clap play that was really, I could have, mm, okay, that was going too far to say I could have done that. But uh, every wide receiver <laughs> in college football could have. Yeah, no, that play should get thrown out the, the exactly. tape. It's not important. That was nothing. But uh, he's, at, I just worry about him being a consistent deep threat at that size at the NFL level, like being yeah, able he, to get off press the way he did in college. It's just like he needs to get bigger. But once he does, if he does, then we can start to talk because, man, he is explosive and he is, Plays way more physical than that size at the catch point. Like, he is very strong in that regard. Uh, so, I, I, I'm a fan of his game. Like, I think he's a first rounder, but I still have some reservations. I'm um, first rounder, like, with an asterisk saying that he can put on some muscle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for that reason, I, I think some people were asking that he kind of come out last year. I think it's, you know, for the reasons that you want to see him improve, I think it's smart that he came back because I think those are things he can act on. That's actionable feedback to get better for 2020, you know, get it. you know, adding some weight and then also being more consistent down the field now that he'll tr- likely be what the number one target there in Alabama, unless Jalen Waddle, this next guy we bring up kind of takes over, but I could see Jalen Waddell taking on the Henry Ruggs role, or playing, getting the Henry Ruggs hype very soon because of just how fast this dude is. This guy has got dumb speed down the football field. I honestly
1: think he's better than Henry Ruggs. Jail he could be. I think mean, he's going to be a I, better I, prospect make, than Henry
0: I'm not convinced he's not. I'm not convinced he's not watching last year. go And also go back to 2018. He was more featured yeah. in the offense in 2018, and you saw how important he was to this team, what he could do after the catch. They involved him behind the line of scrimmage a lot more than they did with Henry Rooks because he is a little bit j- more jittery than Henry yes. Rooks. He's not as stiff as Henry Rooks, and I think – Dude, I, I he runs some routes that I could not find without getting on the All-22 to throw on broadcast. But, like, there is some smoothness to his routes that you didn't see with Henry Ruggs. Like, it's, this, it's the jitteriness, the smoothness. Like, he is getting slept on. And I already know he's, like, this breakout candidate on a lot of people's boards. I still think he's getting slept
1: on. So, that's the thing. It's, like, he wasn't – his stats look like they took a step back last year. Like, he, he – massive rookie year, 848 yards seven touchdowns, not rookie year, Jesus Christ, who am I? The freshman year, 848 yards. And then sophomore year, it's only like, oh, only 560 yards, six touchdowns, only 33 catches. What happened? What happened was he didn't see the football field. Man was only on the field for 188 pass plays last year. He averaged 12.2 yards after catch per reception. He, averaged a, he had a perfect passer rating when targeted last year, Jalen Waddell did. Averaged almost three yards per route. That's better than guys like, Tomorian Terry, Sage Surratt, Justin Ross in the stri- in like in the twenty twenty one class. Uh, he was very good when he was on the football field. They just didn't play him much. He is a this guy is honestly my opinion, I, I think he's gonna be a better prospect than Henry Ruggs. And he has that he probably has low four three type of speed, maybe not four two seven, but yeah, more than enough.
0: So I was looking at this recently. I'm dropping this chart on Twitter later today, but I'm looking at, you know, comparing yards per route run and target rate and, and like target rate is obviously very indicative of yards per route run. It has like a 0.89 correlation, R squared 0.66. Like, very, like if you're getting targeted very often, like on a high percentage of your routes, you're going to gain more yards as well. The guys who are, you know, setting that expectation based on target rate guys that best in college football over the past two years in yards per route run above expectation. I'll read them in order. This is first yeah. through one through five CD lamb, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonte Smith, one through four. Those are the top four guys. Guys that are just adding above their target rate. Because I wanted to look at that stat specifically for Waddle because he's guy, not yeah. he's not thrown a ton on uh, he's not thrown the football a ton. So like looking at his yards per route run compared to a C.D. Lamb or compared to a G, uh, uh, Jamar Chase, it's different. Like this guy was not running a ton of routes and also not targeted on a high percentage of his routes compared to some of these other top guys. All right. Jumping to, after we've done waxing poetic about Jim Waddle. Mm. on Terry, the Florida State guy. This, is, this guy called Scary Terry. And a lot, I think I've seen that. This is nicknamed by Florida State or whatever it may be. Scary for all the right reasons. This dude's a monster. This guy is huge. Six foot four,
1: 205 pounds, and, like, plays big on the football field. So, I'm not comparing him to Randy Moss, but the way he runs, <laughs> like, the gait <laughs> of the way he runs. Because being 6'4", 205, like, it's very similar. And the way he can, like... Uh, you know the way he can cut is just the way he does cut, not the way he can, but the way he does cut is all like this similar movement sort of the way he moves to Randy Moss. Now he's not that, but he is much faster than your average six foot four, two hundred five pound wide receiver. Tall guy, but man, when he gets up to speed, he can fly. This dude, and he's averaged over twenty yards a catch for his career. Averaged over ten yards after the catch this past year. He can actually. This guy is a big play threat now he's still very skinny like 6'4 205 you'd rather him you're 6'4 215 is probably about the range you'd like to see for a guy that size so he probably still needs to put on some muscle more than likely why he came back to school because i think he was a redshirt sophomore last year and could have declared but didn't but i i I, this guy's very interesting i usually lean away from big and skinny because that's just not a good combo you (laughs) you get you get your ass, like, packed by, by stronger cornerbacks in the NFL. Like, you're going up against, you're 6'4", 205. You go up against a six foot 205-pound cornerback, which is, like, a lot of the cornerbacks in the NFL. He is much, much stronger than you are. Like, he yeah. is going to out-muscle you. Or everyone thinks, oh, it's a tall, wide receiver. He's going to, you know, he's going to out-jump this guy. It's like, no, that cornerback probably has a 40-inch vertical, and that cornerback is much stronger than him. He has, he's more likely to come down with the ball than the 6'4 guy. So I, I, I'm wary of them. You've got you to gotta have that speed to your game. So something, some plan B if you're a skinny wide receiver. I think Terry might have some of that.
0: Yeah, Terry's a guy that I think I watched a lot on TV, and then I think I ran through a couple of his games this past year, but I haven't done a huge deep dive on him. It sounds like he's getting added to my list. It, it sounds like he's more than just this big receiver, this big frame. So, yeah. And I usually steer away from when I'm like watching guys and look, look, deciding to watch guys and prioritize. Steering away from the bigger guys, I kind of wait. like the, like the These guys we'll get into next, the catch point kings and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll get to the guys who are good at the contested catch point later. I want to see the guys that can really break the game with speed or separation ability, etc. But going to a Tylan Wallace of Oklahoma State. This is a guy we had a lot of conversation about this past year, potentially entering the 2020 NFL draft. Saw him is a guy, does a ton after the catch, but maybe not the separator that we wanted. I don't know. He he had some interesting, some interesting tape this past
1: year. Yeah, he's just not particularly crafty as a route runner. Like he's yeah. explosive. The guy was a, I think he was finished second in Texas in the triple jump coming out of high school. Like he, you see that. You see the speed when he's in the open field, you see that. But he's still only six foot one eighty five, and while he has some highlight real catches in traffic, he's not been good in traffic throughout his career. So his more of his highlights are, I'm wide open via scheme, whether it's screen, a slant against off, something like that, and then he takes it to the house because he's fast. I just worry about, uh, and now he tore his ACL against. gets. Faux it, production, really? Yeah, yeah. I just worry about that, like these monster numbers. But a lot of it just seems not necessarily translatable to the NFL. And I'm, he has good hands. Uh, only three drops on 56 catchable this past year. I'm not really worried about that. But I just think he's not going to be super great at the catch point, And he's not a crafty sort of route runner like a Devontae Smith is. Crafty getting off the line of scrimmage. You just don't see him get pressed in, in the Big 12 there at Oklahoma State. So. Still have some reservations. I think he needs to prove some of those this upcoming season. All right. Jumping to the Catch Point
0: Kings yeah uh, justin ross his his freshman season was absurd. I went back and watched that, and like you see the catch point and like see what he can do like from a catch radius standpoint too is great. This is that big receiver though that doesn't have maybe that separation ability or that speed down the football field that kind of like separates him as a big receiver that separates well, but Justin Ross also took a step back this past year. Where are you at with
1: him right now? yeah, so as a freshman, he had a thousand yards. On only 201 pass plays, he led the nation in yards per route. <laughs> for comparison, Jamar Chase was on the field for 505 pass plays last year. So if he would have been on the field for as many routes as Jamar Chase was and, and maintained that efficiency, he would have had well over 2,000 receiving yards as a freshman. So he was pretty lights out that year, but he really is... He's not great one on one. He's not great uh, separating one on one. Still limited athletically. He's just a limited athlete. I don't think he's. He might legitimately be a four or six guy. Like he's not going to be sub four or five. He's just not that fast. But man, he can sky for uh, six foot Dude, four wide absolutely receiver. Can he can sky. <laughs> get up in the air and has really really good ball skills, and that's kind of his calling card. And like it's to the point where with how like with how physical he is and how like high he can jump that I actually think that in and of itself can still be a weapon at the NFL level. But I just need to see some more separation ability from him next year. However, that does come whether it's be by by being more physical along his routes, whatnot. Uh, The next guy on this list, I'll just kick to him right now. Sage Saroff from Wake Forest. Justin Ross can like learn a thing or two from him and the way he runs his routes. Sage Rod, 6'3", 215, and the way he gets open is by pushing cornerbacks off of him. Like He he will use his body. He wants you to be next to him when he's about to go on his route break because then he's going to separate from you. Like He, he wants that contact because he knows with his speed he's not going to beat you that way. He is very slow. He is, knows he's not exceptionally quick, but I think he's quick enough to still get that step of separation. But he uses his size really, really well, as well as any of the guys – in this class, uh, but he is just so goddamn slow, man. His age is just so limited that I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do necessarily with him at the next the speed, level. The speed the speed receiver, is like yeah. so or the the speed or lack thereof, the lack thereof. It's, thereof.
0: So notable, it's so notable is so notable on tape. You see like four six, four seven just putrid yeah. speed on tape. But I mean, he's also like, I mean, these big body guys, you go back to what I was talking to, talking to you about, about, you know, separation percentage, you know, percentage of targets where you're creating separation uh, yards after the catch. Like these are very stable metrics from colleges pro and in the NFL contested catchability is not like contested catchability is simply not stable. So like if you're hanging your hat on being a high percentage contested catch guy, it's very difficult to maintain that year over year. And from the college to the pros, you're going to be just as covered because like obviously separation percentage being consistent and stable contested percentage is similarly stable. And you just don't look like to see that you think about guys that had some of the highest contested target percentages. So of all targets, what percentage of them were contested over the past like three years, guys that come up are J, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Hakeem Butler, Denzel Mims, these guys that when you put on the tape, you see guys that like really couldn't create consistent separation. These bigger you receivers.
1: You take it back about J.J. Take it back.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back. I take it back. But still, these guys that like notably have struggled <laughs> to, to kind of get take that step. I will you admit have, that. <laughs> Denzel Mims obviously hasn't taken that That's step not, yet, yeah. but, like, it's There's a type. There's a type of receiver at the top of that list. And I'll tell you what, it's these big body contested catch guys that have these highlight real catches, but maybe not this you know, consistent production that you need to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. All right, jumping to Seth Williams of Auburn. Of the of the three, this is your least favorite?
1: Yeah, I, I, so he's been getting first round hype because he's 6'4", 224, had some real highlight real catches. If you remember the one against LSU on the sideline, the ridiculous Bo Nix throw rolling to his left and then like, one hand, hand over the top of the guy. Um, so he has a highlight reel that's pretty dope. But his consistency is just but, like uh, not, not good. He doesn't get open. This guy, so there's on the spectrum of big wide receivers where you have like maybe a Michael Thomas on the very good side. That's your ideal, what you want it to look like as a bigger guy. And then you have Kelvin Benjamin on the other side. He is, he's right next to Kelvin Benjamin oh, on the no. bad side. He oh no. <laughs> looks like he's carrying maybe a little weight that he probably shouldn't. Like, he does he's not cut up at 6'4", 224. Like, he is not – he could stand to lose uh, and get his body fat percentage down a little bit, we'll say. Say it kindly. But he struggles to get open. 18 of 56 targets, 10-plus yards down the field he hauled in. Only 18 of 56, and only 6 of 18 contested in that regard. He's just – he's not nearly as physical as that, you know, 224-pound number sounds. Uh, I'm not – I'm not on board with first round hype. Now, this he's, is why you this is sophomore, but this is like this is the ones you worry about in terms of separation building. You
0: can't fall in love with these big contested catch guys cuz the contested catches make great highlights, but from a consistency standpoint, look at these numbers you have written out here. Caught 18 of 56 targets 10 plus yards down the field. That's atrocious. 6 of 18 in contested catch situations. Yes, those 6 are probably awesome, but missing that many is also a huge concern. Like the, that, that consistency, I agree with you, scares me. All right, last tier here, last category, the souped-up gadgets. And I remember texting you, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's tape is so great. It is, it is like – I, I, I know you I, – I went back – at freshman year seeing, tape too. I know his freshman year tape, so 2018. Because yeah. in
1: 2019, I don't know what the injury was. I should know this, but it was a knee that was unreported. So, oh really, unreported yeah, so, oh, yeah. knee injury. So, so we'll I get it. that'll be that'll come up at the combine next year, and everyone will be like, his stocks dropping. Oh but, man, yeah. You hate to see that,
0: but with Rondell Moore, even the Vanderbilt game in 2019, you see the jitteriness. I remember we were talking about Rondell Moore being like, you know, this Tyreek Hill type. He doesn't have that speed, not at all. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know if he has even he has yeah. four four type of speed, but like, it's not like four three four two. Not with it's, this. Guy. It's more like,
1: saying like a roll. The Tyreek Hill roll is what yes. you want, then, yeah. yeah.
0: And the reason, and we talked about this too, but the reason like you kind of see it more with Rondell more than maybe you do see it with Henry Ruggs is this jitteriness we speak to, the bounciness, where you kind of see him like able to move side to side, move laterally, and absolutely put defenders on the turf
1: with how he moves side to side. I, I think that you, you see it. You see it instantly. It's freak. And, and the other crazy thing, and that's going to be, so I'll get to, I'll just lump the next guy in here on this list because they're very similar players. Tutu Atwell from Louisville you haven't watched him. He don't like, he probably is a four-3 a guy with very similar, similar jitteriness, but he has no physicality or play strength to his game whatsoever. That is the difference that what Rondell Moore brings to the table is I know it's going to translate to the NFL because the dude is a horse. The dude is rocked up. Like that's five. why the Steve Smith comparisons come because exactly. he's just a yeah.
0: dog. Like Rondell Moore is a dog, and you yeah. see it in every single play. That Ohio State play, just go back to the Ohio State play where he like is that Denzel Ward? He just puts into the turf a number twelve for Ohio State. I don't know who it was, but 2018 it was just mm-hmm. it was bad news bears. Man, he he's 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 a horse like
1: in the NFL already. So I don't think it was uh, that's NFL. true. But Bear. he Sorry. 37 broken tackles as a freshman. Rondell Moore led the nation that year. As a true freshman, like and he stepped on the field as a true freshman, looked like a grown ass man. I, I really can't wait to see what he does this year. I really selfishly wish he would have gone to a better program. Than yeah, Purdue. But, no, but if he goes
0: to a better program, though, I don't think he sees the targets he's seeing as, as early as he is.
1: Really, that's how special. I mean, this guy's. I think he's going to be a top. 10 to 15 pick like this did you
0: listen deck. to the commentary in their opening game of the 2018 season the northwestern game the entire first like quarter before he catches a pass they're like wait till they get this kid the ball wait till they get <laughs> like they're like they're talking about like they like, do like they had this freshman this true freshman in training camp that's blowing people away wait till they get him the ball and then his first play is the one where they like, kind of loop him out on a flare and he just breaks the ankles of like two dudes it's like they, this guy's been hyped up since day one and could for all the right
1: reasons. I was like, could you imagine being Purdue? You're, and as a Notre Dame grad, I can talk shit about Purdue like this. You, you, just being Purdue and being a bad, objectively, one of the b- bottom dwellers in college football for the better part of two decades since Drew Brees. Like yeah. you just haven't been good. And this guy rolls in who is basically an NFL caliber player <laughs> already as 18 years old and is probably just demolishing your cornerbacks there. And like, and you just like seeing this guy, you would you would be telling every single person you knew too if you're the coach at Purdue at that time. Yeah, so.
0: no, I agree, but I mean, so you'd be like received that look compared to other. Think of how different Rondell Moore looks to the Purdue staff, like the, the rest of the Purdue team in training yeah. camp. Like, this guy is going to stand out like a sore thumb. I encourage everyone to go back to his 2018 tape. And even the start of his 2019 season is great, too. Like, Vanderbilt game, you see some special stuff. we got to bring this up, though. I saw a lot of focus drops on his tape. You see that with it. I, I saw – I mean, he doesn't have a ton of drops on – um awesome. This to was PM. the Rondale
1: Moore circle jerk. Stop bringing up negatives. I,
0: I apologize. But... <laughs> I apologize. But I ended up – I remember, like, moving through his targets in 2018 where he had a shitload. I think it was, like, 150 or something like that. As a true freshman, 154 targets as a true freshman and caught 74% of them. That yeah. is absurd. <laughs> he had a very low average depth of target, though. I think it was, like, only, like, three
1: or four yeah, yards. He was ball, getting ball pumped through. the ball. Yeah.
0: Pumped the football. Regardless. Um, looks like seven drops in 2018, three drops in 2019. only ten drops over the past two years, so it's
1: still not bad. But you see that they're focused drops, though, so not yeah. necessarily ball skills drops for sure. Oh, and Tutu, Look, they have to get Tutu at well, who I brought up. Like I said, very yep. similar guy, but he is undersized at the moment. He is skinny, 5'9", one sixty-five, but he is dude, electric with the ball in his hands. They just throw him jet sweep, jet sweep, screen, underneath stuff. They try to get him the ball in his hands as much as possible, 104 targets last year. 1,270 yards, 12 touchdowns, a guy who I, I think there's more and more a role for these guys in NFL offenses. Yes, he stinks against – yes, you don't want him to play through contact ever. Four of 16 contested catches last year. He's not going to be that guy. You don't. Want, he's not going to be you know, winning from the outside ever, but he is what you want, I think, in a slot receiver in today's NFL yes. in that – it's and slot receivers start. Speed slot speed receivers speed, yeah. start for your teams now. Like eleven yeah.
0: personnel has literally taken over the NFL, and is like you know teams in, like are trying more and more to put more receivers on the football field. I mean, Arizona Cardinals ran ten personnel a ton this past year. Like as re- as teams continue to put more and more receivers on the football field, you need this like complementary. Wide receiving core. This, t- you know, a guy that can stretch the field, a guy that can make plays after the catch, you know, with you know targets at the line of scrimmage, and then you have your bigger-bodied receiver winning at the intermediate level. Like you want that complement of receivers, it, and you've talked about this too, where having like you you want like different skill sets at the receiver position so you can lean on different guys. You don't all want mm-hmm. to. You don't want three two two atwells out there. You, you need yes. like some variability. Yes. In,
1: uh <laughs> Some variability. Worth three J or think of Whitesides.
0: <laughs> you do be bad, J- too. The, the Eagles had that last year, I think, with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, whoever else they were trotting out there. I guess one of the tight ends. Um, Quarterback. But I'm super excited about Rondale Moore, man. I hate that I ended it with the drops thing. But, like, you just do mm-hmm. see it, like, he kind he of, is. like, it's too – he's jacked to start running with the football. And you can yeah. kind of see him lead before he does that. But regardless, last guy on the list here, and I haven't watched any of this guy's tape, Daz Newsome, North Carolina. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Diami Brown. Diane Brown in North Carolina. Diane Brown's good.
1: Uh, I, I actually brought him up in the write up of Daz Newsome on the article I did on the website. Oh, wow. so, it's a small mention. <laughs> it's a small mention. But they bring back a pretty good wide receiver duo, though, for Sam Howell, the quarterback who's going to be a top 10 pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, a little early preview there for you guys in 2022. But Newsome, he's actually, so he's an undersized guy, slot only in that offense, but he's a lot stronger than a than the well. like, 2-2 like He's good at the catch point. 7-11 test targets last year, plays physical, and has that sort of dynamic ability with the ball in his hands. Broke 19 tackles on 72 catches last year, over 1,000 receiving yards. I'm just interested to see how he takes his game, to, if, his, if he can go to a next level. Because I think he's very athletic. I don't think he's 4-3. I think he's probably like a 4-4 guy. But he's still, like, with the ball in his hands, you see that suddenness. You see that lateral agility uh I'm, I'm just interested to see if he takes like another i put him in the gadgets tier because that's kind of how they used him in north carolina but he also had 13 deep targets like he had 13 deep catches excuse oh, me okay. last year like he actually like produced down the football field from the slot i'm interested to see if they just use him more outside or if that's m- something he does even more of in 2020
0: 689 of his offensive snaps played in the slot this past year. I haven't watched any of them, but I'll definitely look into the guy. 19 broken tackles on 72 receptions is a rate I can get on board with, and that obviously translates to good yak production. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for the 2021 receiving class overview. All right, after going through it all again, you're still very confident the 2021 class will be or should be better than
1: 2020. Yes, I'm saying at this point in time, they are better than the 2020 was, at and this year. doesn't even include the two or three guys that'll break out in 2020. Exactly, That's you know, the like there, there are,
0: there'll be a couple guys that awesome didn't grade super well, that didn't grade super well the previous year, or maybe get a role switch. That are like former four star, former five star recruits that really blow it up. I, I, I wish we could see the the former five star that's transferring to Florida this year, Justin Shorter, that big monster. Have you seen that guy? He's six foot four, like 210 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. He, he's a former five star, originally committed to Penn State, I believe, and now is taking 2020 off. Hopefully, he's one of few football players taking 2020 off. Not every day, I'll of them. take 2020
1: <laughs> off with him. Shit.
0: Um, but he's transferring to Florida. I, I think he, he's another impressive receiver. Obviously, he probably won't come out. But regardless, I super yeah. <laughs> yeah, transfer. Uh, you know what? I think I'm just gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> super exciting uh, 2021 receiving class. Like you got, you can pick your flavor here. I mean, you got your do it all types, the gadget types, the explosive. I mean, it's gonna be. A lot of fun in 2020, barring that there is a football season. All right, Mike, that's it for the Wednesday edition of the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate all the listens. Uh, until next week, this is Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2-4-1 Drafts.